Hello again, Guten Morgen, Buenos Dias, Konnichiwa, how are you? My name's Jay, this is Scoff. Welcome to Scoff, the Melbourne Food Podcast. How are you? I've been away for a little bit, I've been a bit lax. Apologies, fans, thanks for sticking with me. We're back this week with episode 9, pretty exciting week. We're talking about cafes with culture. And I've picked a couple of my favourite cafes around Melbourne to discuss. They do things a little bit differently with a bit of an ethnic slant, bringing a little bit of culture into that normal melange of overpriced coffee and smashed avocado on bread. The world's top 50 restaurants celebration that travelling circle jerk circus of indulgence whisked through Melbourne in a absolute tornado of free piss and food for some of the finest chefs, hospitality workers across the city were inundated with drunken loutish minor celebrities uh, who head up these temples of gastronomy. They were here. Uh, Various reports suggest they were up to varying levels of behaviour. I can confirm from one eyewitness that Gagan is a bit of a tosser, but I think you probably figured that out from his Chef's Table episode. If you missed the countdown, or you had the misfortune to be surrounded by all the Philistines and posers at the uh, uh, Federation Square countdown, as I did, I will recount it for you here quickly, the top 10. Um, at number 10, it was Styrak from Vienna. Number 9, uh, Mugaretz in San Sebastian, where uh, Dan Hunter famously did his, or made his bones, as they say. Uh, one of two entries from Peru uh, in the city of Lima was Maido, the sort of Japanese-learning restaurant in Lima. Uh, the aforementioned Gagan in Bangkok at 7. Asador Echabari in Akshe in Spain was number 6. Uh, the much lauded and uh, surprisingly low listed, considering it was everyone's favourite to be number one this year, Central and Lima. Um, the beautiful uh, views of Mirazur in Menton in uh, the French Riviera at number four. Number three, uh, the perennial contender El Sela de Canroca in Girona in Spain. Number two, down from one last year, everyone's favourite pin-up superstar um, restaurant, um, Osteria, Francescana and Medina dropped from one to two. And as I predicted, if uh, previous listeners were listening uh, to the previous episode, uh, 11 Madison Park, Will Gradolas and Daniel Holmes Temple. They're uh, now soon to be impossible <laughs> to get into restaurant. 11 Madison Park in Manhattan is the new Kingpin. couple of takeaways from the list. No Parisian restaurants in the top 10. First time in a long time that would have happened. Um, And that sort of underlines the difference between the world's top 50 and the Michelin Guide, which is obviously pretty Parisian-centric. You might have noticed that Noma is missing from the list. They're, of course, on a jaunt to Mexico at the moment and as such have been disqualified um, from contention. Um, And the Aussies in the list with the Melbourne Food Podcast. Let's talk about... The Australians in the list, a little bit like when Channel 7 have the rights to the tennis and they just play obscure, um, unwatchable matches featuring James Duckworth while they put Roger Federer on the app. Um, that's obviously a rant for another podcast, the uh, tennis podcast. Coming, so Brett Graham's The Ledbury, 
uh, West London iconic restaurant, former top 10 entry, um, and anyone that's ever been to the Ledbury, Ledbury in London knows it's one of the best restaurants in the world. Surprisingly low at 27, I would have thought. Um, the Australian Thai King, David Thompson's Nam at 28. And in a future episode, I will be reviewing his uh, new Melbourne restaurant, Long Chim, which I attended on my birthday. That was lovely. Uh, that's not going to be the review. It's going to be a bit more <laughs> in-depth and that was lovely. But check back for, in a future episode for that. Uh, ben Shrury of Attica, holding fast at number 32. And a high new entry, as predicted, uh, Dan Hunter's fabulous Bray, jumping into the list at 44. And exciting news on Scoff. Next week, the return of the reviews will be going in-depth with a review of the glorious, beautiful Bray restaurant. That's next week. Have an in-depth look at Dan Hutter's career and discussing uh, his cuisine, his amazing location, and all the exciting things happening at Bray. One last thing before I leave. Anyone that saw the countdown knows it was actually pretty brisk and pretty well done in terms of award ceremonies, uh, pretty palatable. One noticeable exception of that was our old mate Heston Blumenthal. Uh, he's the king of the uh, the travelling circle jerk, as I like to say. The king of the carnies. Um, he can do no wrong. Love Heston. But he gave one of the worst speeches in recorded history. Heston was so tanked, I reckon he consumed a fair majority of Melbourne's red wine content. Got on stage in no state to be seen. All of, He was all ado. His shirt was undone. Spittles of uh, of red wine and everything all over him. He was a slurring mess. Heston, if you're listening, and let's be honest, there's absolutely no way you're not. I thought your speech was hilarious. Your rambling discussion about creativity and the advent of mankind was glorious. And anyone looking for a sort of a DIY to-do instructional tape on how not to give a speech should check out Heston Blumenthal's uh, Diners Club Lifetime Achievement Award at the Melbourne Top 50 Awards. Okay, let's move on. Uh, next item on the agenda, another restaurant closure. And it seems to be a little bit of a uh, recurring sad theme on Scoff. We talk about the restaurants that we love that leave us. The latest one is Smith Street's Easy Tiger. Very, very, very well regarded uh, leaning towards fine dining Thai restaurant. Um, it opened in 2010. It seems like the family reasons and other mounting business interests are the reason they're going to call it a day. Smith Street recently lost the likes of um, Huxtable and a, a couple of others, so it seems like the um, veering towards more casual dining is certainly in full effect in that area of Smith Street. Um, the owners, respectively, have a stakes in the likes of the Major Major, which is a pretty rad cafe in Melbourne, and also the recently open giant steps down in Hillsville, so they're going to focus on that. Um, but sad to see Smith Street's Easy Tiger go. You'll have till June to check that out. Definitely get in there and sample some of their fare before they go. Okay, let's get to the bulk of the discussion this week. We're talking about some of the cafes around Melbourne that do things a little bit differently with an ethnic slant. This week on Scoff.
Alright, something a little bit different this week for the body of scoff. I'm going to talk about cafes with culture. A Melbourne cafe. I painted the scene for the exposed brick, whitewashed walls, an expensive looking coffee machine surrounded by staff with expensive looking tattoos. Avocado on toast. Probably some sort of compressed, bewildered prior piece of pork which has been stretched and neutered into some ungodly shape and covered in hollandaise and poached eggs in the form of a Benedict. These are the hallmarks of the Melbourne Cafe, but there's a few lone soldiers out there bucking the trend, doing something a little bit different, appropriating their own culture and bringing it into the Melbourne Cafe culture. That Australian, uniquely Australian art form. And they're doing it awesomely. Here's a couple of examples of places that I love, cafes with culture around Melbourne. First and foremost, a place I've been a couple of times recently. I'm in love with it. I cannot hide my joy for this place. It's called Baba Jan. It is a Turkish-centric cafe in Carlton North on Nicholson Street. It's also a bakery. They bake their own bread. Big ups there. Simit. It's a sort of seeded Turkish bagel. It's delicious. So chuk. It's like a cured Turkish beef sausage. It's delicious. They're serving La Monchon. It's an amazing Turkish-style Flatbread pizza, that's delicious. They're serving Turkish coffee. Basically, what I'm telling you is Turkish food is delicious, especially at breakfast. Some amazing cooking coming out of this kitchen. A beautiful open kitchen. All the smells of, you know, that, that amazing Turkish waft of sumac and yogurt and spices and fresh nuts and seeds. Sort of Ottolinga-est salads sitting drool-inducingly close to your face, fresh-baked halloumi phyllos and house-made Turkish delight. The kitchen has a really deft touch with seasoning, flavours, ingredients. A couple of dishes I've had recently, a trout spanakopita, amazing cured trout, sort of wrapped around a sort of nut and cheese mix and then seared with some fresh vegetables and poached eggs in sort of a Benedict-style dish. Sensational. Recently had another sort of Turkish-style baked eggs with slow-braised lamb shoulder. This is one of the best cafes in Melbourne, serving some of the best food for the price point. Check out Baba Jan. A lot of people are. It's getting a lot of hype nationally and internationally. It's become a bit of a must-do when you're in Melbourne. Another small side, uh, pardon me, south side icon, Small Axe Kitchen, a Sicilian-style cafe in Brunswick. What is Sicilian food? Well, I don't really know. It's Italian food, basically, and they serve deep-fried toasties, so that's all you need to know. The deep-fried scormozza, smoked mozzarella sandwich, bread and crumbed, crispy deliciousness is a deep-fried toasty. Get around it. Breakfast carbonara. I'm talking guanciale. I'm talking beautiful parmesan. I'm talking pasta. I'm talking a beautifully soft, slow-poached egg. What more could you want? You have bacon and eggs on toast all the time. Why not have breakfast carbonara? It's the same thing. Freshly caught sardines. Uh, when you're sitting out the front, draining a Campari and soda in the sun, before midday, you deserve it. You owe it to yourself to visit Small Axe Kitchen. Another one I'm big on, really big on this place, Chibi, the Japanese hangout in Collingwood. So many Japanese, Japan files out there right now. Japanophiles, I don't really know if that's a word, but you're one of them. Cheap flights to Japan because it's the best place to eat in the world. And why wouldn't you love Japan and why wouldn't you go to Chibi? They do amazing Jap-style breakfast sets, which is sort of like a, a lush breakfast uh, bento, sandwiches and salads and whatever's good that day, fruit. Um, amazing yuzu lemonade, 
Um, they also import pretty cool decor, all your enamel and ceramic needs, clothing, whatnot, cooking, appliances. You can get it at Chibi. It's shit hot. You need to go do that right now. It's in Collingwood. Uh, a great example of cafe with culture. Just quickly before we move on to the next thing, a bit of a cautionary tale. Lawyers, guns and money. Victor Leong's attempt to bring congee to the masses um, sort of overshot the mark a little bit. Didn't last too long. Um, I'll tell you a tale quickly. Went to lawyers, guns and money. Table for one, please. It's 11.45. Absolutely grab a seat. Uh, there's no congee on this menu. No, we only serve congee till 11.30. Oh, that's no good. Okay, I'm polite. I'll just order something else. Five to six people in the next 10 minutes walk in and are turned away. Victor, are you listening? They want the congee. Give them the congee. Oh, you're not serving the congee? That's okay. I'll go somewhere else. Victor, you're sitting in the corner. You can hear people getting turned away. Victor, wake up. Victor, can you hear me? Victor's friends walk in. Oh, that's okay. Do breakfast for these guys, says Victor from across the restaurant. And I lost my shit. I lost my shit. I was polite enough to hang around and give you my patronage and spend some money on some chicken wings. All I wanted was some congee. This is what the people wanted. This is what the gourmet traveler in the age were talking about. This is what your restaurant's known for. There's people coming in wanting to spend their money and you're turning them away because you can't be bothered, Victor. I wish you luck. I love Leho Fook. I loved it when it was on Smith Street in the space now occupied by Peter Gunn's eyes. And I love you, but that was bullshit, man. And it's no wonder that place went broke. Okay, that's it for now. Ooh, actually, I'm a little bit fired up. I'm a little bit fired up. I think it's time on Scoff for a rant. Do you have mantras? and saying that you live by. I do. There's a couple. Never buy a shucked oyster from a fishmonger. Never order anything off a menu that has the word fusion or describes a sauce or salad as Asian. But one of the biggest ones I live by is not necessarily one equated to food. And that is such. You need a license to dig a hole. You need a license to drive a boat. But any fuckwit can have a child. Big call, I know. Hear me out. Kids in cafes, where do we stand on it? I stand in a very understanding position. I stand on the line of, I understand. It is the most incredible athletic feat for a human being to produce a child. It brings upon it so much pure exhaustion, the lack of sleep, the physical pain of bringing the child into the world. And the stress of constantly watching this little creature intent on hurting itself and throwing itself downstairs and into oncoming traffic. I can only imagine the stress they are under. And of course, the sheer sort of um, high of bringing the kid into the world, the euphoria. You created this living thing and as such, it is a god. Let's treat it like it's a god. It is allowed to do anything at once because I created it and now it's free to roam the earth in my image. So the combination of, oh God, I'm so exhausted. I literally just want to go to a place, sit down and have a coffee and forget about it for a little while. And this kid is the best thing since sliced bread. It shit doesn't stick and it can do whatever it wants. It's a very dangerous combination in cafes. Cafes are a quiet respite from the world. 
Cafes are where people go when they're stressed and need a bit of a coffee and a bit of cake and to relax. Of course, it's places where they go with their families in a casual setting can have a cheap meal out. But cafes are also almost exclusively made up of sharp, hot, slippery, hard and dangerous surfaces waiting to remove your child's eyes and esophaguses. What are you doing? At what point did you decide to completely give up any sort of level of safety or awareness of your child? Why are you allowing your child to pick up pieces of banana and wedge it into the carpet like he's some sort of pro-hard artist? Why are you allowing your child to get up?